1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for tuning in to the men Sports Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed on SoundCloud.com, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. I got a loaded show for you all today, so without any further delay, let's get started. Alrighty guys, we are here. Finally, this Friday edition of the men Sports Podcast, you can find me on Spotify, SoundCloud.com and Google Podcast. Guys, the Atlanta Falcons go up against the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday at 8.20 in primetime on NBC. And the pressure is on us. It's not on the Eagles. It's on the Atlanta Falcons. Here later in the show, I will be given my top four keys to win this Sunday's matchup. And this could go on, you know, for the rest of the season as well. But definitely going up against a playoff contender team. That's coming up next here on the Morgan Man Sports podcast. But first, I do want to, however, talk about the uh somewhat recent news. This happened four days ago. Um Optic Crimsix announces free agency ahead of the Call of Duty League for Modern Warfare here in 2020. So he put on Twitter um September ninth that he is a restricted free agent for the twenty twenty season. All of that hard work for essentially nothing. If any franchise teams would like to contact me, reach out here crimsick at hush dot com. Guys was I I don't know how to explain this really is was optic the the wrong choice for Crim six? I don't personally think so after that world title that that pretty much optic won back in twenty seventeen with uh infinite Warfare, it seemed like you know scump and just everybody else on the uh on the team just was like okay, yeah, whatever we want a world title woohoo. <laughs> And Crem 6 just did not like that. Kram6 is a championship machine. He really is. I would not be surprised, honestly, if he goes to a team like E United or Envy again. I would love to see him on Envy. But it, it, it does it does raise concerns. It really does. For the 2020 season, or no, excuse me, the Optic Gaming community as a whole, like... Is Optic Gaming now just money hungry? You know, are they the, the team that thinks, well, since we've won world title, then we're better than everybody else. No, you're not better than everybody else if you won just one world title. Look at the Patriots, for example. They're, they and, I'm, and this is coming from a Falcons fan, but they are, you know, very well polished. And they won six Super Bowl titles. Pittsburgh Steelers has won six world titles. Now, the Falcons, on the other hand, has won zero, but we have the weapons to win one this year. But this news right here is very, very concerning. If I'm an Optic Gaming fan, you know, what is the state of the franchise going to look like? Here in the 2020 season, is Skump gonna bounce back and say, you know what, screw it, you know, I want to win another world title before I ever retire? And who's he gonna have with him? Is it gonna be Karma? Or, you know what, um, is it gonna be TJ? Or, you know, who? Who's gonna stay with Skump? You know, I want to say probably Karma is gonna stay and TJ is definitely, but now since. Six is gone, you know, who's going to take him and who's going to replace him at Optic Gaming? Let me know down in the comment section below if you are on soundcloud.com because I definitely would love to hear your response. So next up, guys, is the Atlanta Falcons versus the Eagles. I will be giving out four key keys, if I'm pronouncing this right, to win this Sunday against the Eagles here in primetime on NBC. All right, thank you so much for tuning back in to the Morning Mid-Sports Podcast here on Sunlight.com, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Guys, we are two days away from the Atlanta Falcons facing off against the Philadelphia Eagles in Mercedes-Benz Stadium primetime Sunday night at 8.20 p.m., and let me tell you guys, I, uh, I still feel heartbroken after the week one loss against the, uh, the Vikings. I really am, but we can find some optimism here, uh, going into this matchup against the Eagles. There was a lot of mistakes that the Falcons didn't make against the uh, Vikings, But also, there was a lot of positives that we could take away, too, from the Vikings. Because during that second half, I mean, the Vikings, they really could care less of what happened in that second half. And then the Falcons then started to move the ball, pretty much. Uh, Minus, like, in the third quarter, the interception. But then that fourth quarter, then we started getting into rhythm. We really did. Matt Ryan was accurate. I mean, everything. Um, but during the whole game, he threw for over three hundred yards, had two touchdowns, but two interceptions as well. But we're past that now. Uh, we are we are very much prepared for the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday in primetime when the lights are on us. But I do want to go ahead and give four key take or four keys to success to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. This Sunday And So number one of course is the Offensive line meaning If that offensive line could Of course protect Matt Ryan which they Did on a lot of series It's not like you know they were just absolute Garbage throughout the entire thing Last week against the Vikings But There were just certain plays That the offensive line like oh my god How did he get past me oh well Matt Ryan's down oh well (laughs) You know, it's it's like that, but if that offensive line can improve upon last week on certain plays and packages that the Eagles will bring on a defense and still open up holes for Freeman to uh, gain the first down, or even Edo Smith, then I, I believe that the run game will be exceptionally phenomenal. Whenever it comes to this offensive line going up against the Philadelphia Eagles' uh, defensive front. Number two is kick and field goals because last week against the Vikings, we—I don't know if the Falcons were just trolling us or what was going on—but um, Dan Quinn decided to just go for two every single time that we did get a touchdown instead of just kicking the extra point. And, uh, I'm sorry guys, I just woke up, I actually recorded this podcast uh, early Thursday morning instead of late in the night. So, I I don't know if it's just them trolling us or what it was, but we need to start just kicking the field goals uh, for, you know, the extra point, or just go for three, because I'd rather, last week, had Matt Bryant kick for three going into the second half rather than having zero points because then that means what we could have done is you know took advantage of certain you know certain certain whatevers and you know have us some points going into the second half and then we could have possibly made this deficit right here a little less you know brutal Pretty much, you know, we could have been like maybe 28 to 20 then or something. Something just crazy like that. So my third key to win up against the Philadelphia Eagles the Sunday is moving away from that 3-4 defense. The Falcons were not productive on that 3-4 defense. Yes, they were whenever it comes to a run up the middle play. But whenever you do the, uh, the sweep run, like the Vikings totally took advantage of and got the first down or even more, that's where it kills us on 3-4. There's a lot of teams that can go up against a uh, offense that has a 3-4 defense, but not the Falcons. The Falcons need to have a bigger defensive front rather than the 3. <clears throat> and... And secure the sweep. And which I think Dan Quinn is gonna try to get away from that three four defense because he I mean he's a defensive coordinator himself. He you know, he's a mastermind like Bill Belichick whenever it comes to defensive play calling. And he knows that, you know, if the Eagles keep doing a sweep run on the outside, then you know, he's gonna change up the defensive scheme. And I uh, tell them, hey, look, you know, I need two guys over here. Or two guys, you know, on the left side of the field. So that way, whenever it does come out to be an, an outside run, you already stopped them, you know, maybe five yards shy of the third down marker. Or whatever else the case may be. Now, the fourth and final key takeaway to win this Sunday against Philadelphia Eagles in time is more and less of Julio Jones. So now you're sitting here asking yourself, why would we need more, but also less of Julio Jones? So th- this is a situation where it's really hard to kind of explain itself in a theory, but when I'm saying more of Julio Jones... Put him out on the field more as more of a distraction point that could be thrown to Calvin Ridley and uh, Muhammad Sanu, Justin Hardy, Austin Hooper. But whenever it comes to the either the third down, fourth down, or even red zone situations, then throw it to Julio if you can. But if not, still use Julio on more of the, okay, you know, here I am on the field. You're thinking you're going to three men cover me, but yet Ridley's over there wide open. <laughs> that That's how it's going to work. I think it should be going going up against this, you know, Eagles defense. Because the Eagles defense really... Can't guard Julio that much, I don't think, from from the past experience of from what I've watched the Eagles play up against the Falcons, going up against Julio Jones, but um but yeah, so the more of the Julio Jones is to put him out on the field, make him as a decoy rather than a threat, but then when it comes down to third down situations, then. You know, everybody's like, okay, wow, we need to go three man cover Ridley instead of Julio now. And then whenever that third down is um play is being called, Julio's wide open down the field and he's got a score or even a first down. So that's what I mean by Julio. This is not twenty twelve anymore, Dirk Cotter. It's it's just not. You know, you cannot force feed Julio the ball as much as you can now, because defenses now these days f- can figure out Julio Jones and his route running and how many people it takes to cover him. But whenever, but back in 2012, whenever Julio was still pretty much a rookie, a a sophomore rookie in the NFL, people were like, "Okay, how do you cover this guy? I don't know how." And then they're still going to put like one man on him and. That's just absolutely stupid on your part if you're like any other team minus the Falcons. But now these days, it's 2019. Julio is easy to figure out a little bit still. And people are now going to put him into two, three-man coverage. So use that to your advantage. Use that to your advantage. Going up against this Eagles defense or just team in general and then use him as a decoy in three-man coverage. Ridley is halfway down the field. Hey, Ryan, I'm open, dude. Where are you at? That's what's going to happen. Or the Falcons can just take a longer drive and just throw it to Austin Hooper, who's just one yard above the marker to get the first down and just continue the drive like that. You know, instead of just... Throwing all the way downfield and then, you know, making it easier for the, for the Eagles to, to come back on the field because the less time that Carson Wentz is spent on the field, it's better for the Atlanta Falcons. It honestly is. I mean, I do like Carson Wentz. He is a, an elite caliber quarterback as well as Matt Ryan. So it's, it's better to keep Carson Wentz off the field. So I think the Falcons will go for more long drives, like a 10-play drive instead of like four or three. Now, yeah, occasionally a four and a three-play drive will be very exciting, special for Sunday Night Football. But it comes down to the wire of keeping Carson Wentz off the field and having these long-play drives go for 10 or even 12 plays, you know, per drive, and ultimately just ending the game with probably a two-touchdown lead over the Philadelphia Eagles, or it could be coming down to a three-point lead where hopefully and finally Matt Bryant will be able to kick a ball hmm. for three points. But guys, that is all the time I have for today. I hope you did enjoy today's podcast. If you did, make sure to like button on the on the on Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Till then, guys, I, Camorgan, will catch you all
0: later. Peace.